where would we be without him today? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I'm just glad you know him. Amen. I'm just glad he knew you before you knew him. That's what really matters, isn't it? Yeah. Let's turn to the book of Romans today, if you would. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8, verse 16. I mean, those are living in a great time. I mean, those are living in an awful time. Terrible time. Sickness, trouble, despair, sadness, heartache. We know all that, right? If you'll keep up with the news, just the news, of all the nuclear threats and all the things that are going on, I told Carol this week, I don't know how people out here without the hope of the Lord in their heart, I don't know how they get up every day. If you just watch just a few YouTube videos on the nuclear war between America and Russia, you watch it for about 10 to 15 minutes is all it'll take. And it'll about put you on your knees when you realize what lays ahead for our nation and for the world. I guess I never really thought about it before. At the end of the millennium, there will be such nuclear fallout, or the tribulation period rather. Before going into the millennium, the Lord God will have to perform such an absolute miracle Because once the nuclear fallout starts, the atoms start dividing, dividing, it keeps going, going, going. Then the onset of the nuclear winter comes. Darkness covers the earth. No sunlight can penetrate. So at the end of the tribulation period, the earth is going to be hanging out here like this darkened star. But what will our Lord do? He'll speak his word and clear it all back and break forth in a millennium. I'm grateful for that, aren't you? He done us the same way. We was in a nuclear fallout with the devil when it comes to sin and stuff, wasn't it? The Lord spoke his word over us. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter eight, verse 16. But until we get there, we've got a few more trials maybe and a few more tests along the way. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature Waiteth. Listen now, the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Oh Lord. How many lots of be remembered today as we pray? Some of our youth gone today down to Brother David Siler's um, service they had there this weekend. Certainly want to remember them. Trust you've been praying for them. Sure, there's many that are sick, afflicted, going with different things in their bodies and their homes. So let's just pray together. <clears throat> Father, we love you so much today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving us, caring for us, providing for us, Lord, everything that we have need of. We're asking, Lord, that you would help us. Take your word once again, Father, and 
speak to us those things which will be beneficial. We've not come together just to see one another, though we like that. We've not come to just speak to one another, but Lord, we've come to hear from you. And we've not only come just to receive, but we've come to give. Lord, I want to give my very best in this service. So when I stand before you that day, that you'll not shame me and say, you only get half, you only gave a third. I want to give everything that I have to give today. But I pray not just me have that attitude, but everyone here, the same attitude, Lord. And if we do, then we know that you'll move. You know the needs that are among us, different ones, sick, afflicted, and we know that you're mindful of that. We thank you for the healings, Lord, that we've been experiencing. Several instantly healed Sunday, several instantly healed Wednesday. Lord, you're a mighty God moving among us. We so thank you. Speak to us today, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. I'll keep it for a minute. Anybody guess what size this is? Anybody want to guess? Thank you, but you're so wrong. <laughs> 40, regular. I like a lot of moving room. Anybody guess what size shirt I wear? 17. 17 here but 15 here, so. I wonder why that's important. Maybe some of you sisters, I could guess what size dress you wear. You better not, Brother Donnie. <laughs> some of your brothers, what size shirt you wear. Now, does size matter? Well, yeah, in some things it does. We think size the way that we compare to one another and the way that we compare preachers and the way that we compare churches and size, whether it's by gift or by knowledge or by years of experience, it's the way we look at a lot of things. But yet the Lord looks at it in a total different way than what we do. Now, no doubt I would look very, very odd today. If I walked out of the office and I had on a, say, a 48 coat, and I had on a waist instead of being a 34 of a 44, and I had a belt that was also a 44, and instead of wearing size 10 shoes, I had on either size 5 or, like Brother Andrew, size 13 or 14. So size is relevant according to our needs. And I'm not sure that we will ever understand while we're here in time why that we go through various things and we tend to measure what we go through. Well, how come I have to go through so much of this and this? Again, we're comparing size. The size of what? The size of our burden, the size of our load, the size of our reproach, the size of what we have to deal with. So, because we deal with so much size, and say if you've got 14 kids and you pull up on a Volkswagen lot 
and you tell that guy, I want one of them little bugs. He say, so you're not taking your wife and your kids with you? Say, yeah, we're all going to ride in this Volkswagen Beetle. Well, he's going to think there's something a little bit wrong with you because there's no way, according to the size of your family, you're all going to be able to get in that little Volkswagen car. So he would say, more than likely, sir, maybe you might need an SUV or you might need a minivan. I don't like them minivans. I, I don't like the look of that SUV. And after all, I couldn't afford one anyway. They begin around 85000 so there ain't one in the world I could afford one of them. But this Volkswagen, but sir, I'm trying to get it over to you. You'll not be able to fit all of your family inside this car. You said, this is a family car? Yes, this is a family car. Well, whenever you talk to that man that way, he's going to think there's something wrong with this guy because he cannot relate size. So he's looking at you, looking at your stair-step children, looking at your wife, and thinking, how am I going to be able to get it over to this man that he's going to need a larger vehicle? Well, you know, most of us would say, well, that's right. Common sense would tell you that. Oh, it's amazing how much we lack common sense so sometimes when it comes to spiritual things. So the Lord looks at us at the size that we are now. And he looks at the size he wants us to be when we're done with our journey, our spiritual walk. And for a lot of us, it's not that we are smaller, but it's that we're too big. So we've got so much attached to us that we think is spiritual, that is a great attribute to have. And yet the Lord looks at us and he sees that there's so much that's got to be shaved off and more taken off and more taken off because there's way too much of us. So how does God do that? How does God take off of us what is too excessive? Trials, tests, failures, disappointments, I know we don't like to think of it in this way, but in reality, we tend to pray more when money's tight instead of when we have a whole lot more than what we need. We tend to pray more if we think, you know, that, that, that God is somehow displeased with us or we've not felt his presence or something just doesn't seem right between us and him. We, we tend to become more serious than if every time we go to the house of God, the blessings are just being rained down on us and we can't even contain ourselves. And that's a lot of times when people tend to get more loose with God. Because we read blessings as approval. But don't you think for one minute in your life, blessings is the only sign of God's approval. Because the children of Israel were forbidden to go into the land of promise. God pronounced the judgment over on this side of the inheritance. They died in the wilderness by the thousands. Yet, they didn't have to have new shoes. They didn't need new clothes. They didn't have to go to the grocery store. God blessed them every day of their life. And they didn't have one inch of ground in the promised land. But no doubt they were convinced because God blessed them, everything was okay. You see, that's a typical Laodicean. 
God blesses me. I've got this and I've got that. That must mean God loves me. Actually, it doesn't. The greatest sign of his love for any of us is his approval of us in Christ Jesus. And then we also know that one of his signs of approval and that we are children is because he corrects us and spanks us real good when we get wrong. And when we get into error, you know, God ain't like a lot of parents today. A lot of parents see absolutely no fault in their children. So their children can do whatever and, you know, it's always somebody else's fault if their kids get into a, you know, an issue with other church kids or whatever. It's never their kid's fault. And some parents think that is an ideal parent. That is not a realistic parent. That is not a truthful parent. But God is the ultimate parent and he loves his children so much that he will always correct them when they're wrong because he does love them. So look at it this way then that the size of cross that God allows to each of us is God measuring us for our crown and our reward that we will get hereafter. Now a lot of what we go through in life is not God's fault. It's not God even testing us. It's us, things that we've done. Some of what we go through is stuff we inherited from our parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles. Has nothing to do with God. But yet the things that he allows to come our way is totally different. And the things that he allows to come our way is the things that he blesses us for when we come through them. Now, let me share some of these things with you today. Turn in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3. And I want you to notice one of the greatest men of God that ever lived on the earth at any given time, Paul the Apostle. Now, I want you to listen now as we're going to go through this morning by the help of the Lord. Some of the things that this great man went through. Now, I realize to a lot of message folks, they don't really think about Paul that much. They don't think about Peter, James, John. They pretty much think about our messenger only. But let me just remind you that when Brother Branham went beyond the curtain of time, he referred to Paul. He referred to what Paul talked. Why? Because in that place, he knew Paul had a great place in heaven. So we do ourselves a great disadvantage by taking the apostolic fathers and putting them over here on the minority side and thinking they're really nobody. You need to reread your Bible. As a matter of fact, the foundations of the city are going to contain the names of the apostles. You show me one scripture where Brother Branham's name will be on that foundation. Now, don't get mad at me. Just read your Bible. Praise the Lord. You show me where my name will be there. You show me where Brother Tim Pruitt, Brother Ron Spencer, any of the great men that we know and love, where their names are going to be in the foundation of the city. If we're not careful, we will lose sight of what God has done because we're so caught up in what he's doing and we're failing to put in priority what he did. The city's already built. Paul's name is done there. 
The foundation of that great thing is already there. Paul's name is there. I don't think we ought to put these brothers on the sideline and say, well, they're not really that important. We've got Elijah in our day. Elijah himself compared his own message and judged his own message by Paul. I preached what Paul preached. And Word of Life Church said, so Brother Ram didn't stand up and say, I didn't need what Paul had to say. I was a prophet of that day and I didn't need that. No, Brother Branham did not believe that. It's only people in error around the message that believe that. Now, I want you to notice then, this man went through more in his life than any other Gentile preacher. He experienced more. Well, to me, if he did, then you look at the word God was measuring that brother for a large position in heaven. Notice 2 Corinthians 6, 3. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses. Notice he says, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, which means he couldn't sleep. So night after night after night, he had insomnia. Now listen what he went through, in stripes. You know of any Gentile preacher that's been beat 39 stripes? You know of any Gentile preacher in America that's been thrown in prison seven times? In imprisonments, tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fasting, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand, and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report. Look at what he's going back and forth between the contrast of what this man went through and what was most of it brought on. What was the cause? Because he stood for the Lord Jesus. And he bore this cross. Why? Because he was a Jew because he was an educated man, because he was a gospel preacher. So all of this was brought on him because of the sake of Christ. And you keep in your mind, the Lord will not be beholding to any man. By honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers, yet true. So they were, they were blasted, they were ridiculed, they were run down. And oh yeah, by the way, I ain't just talking about the Jews, but I'm talking about some of the so-called message people of the first century. You see, even those that Paul led to Christ, when it come right down at the end of his life,
even some of them turned on him. When Paul stands before the judicial system for his first preliminary hearing under so-called Roman justice, no one from Ephesus, no one from Rome, not one Christian, not one preacher, not one teacher, not one apostle, no one stood with him. And yet Ephesus wasn't that far away. And the Ephesian church was one of the deepest churches in the message. There was hundreds of believers in the Roman church, but not one Christian. He had not one witness that was willing to come and say, I will stand for this man's credibility. He's a man of great honor, a man of great integrity. Not one believer, not one Holy Ghost-filled child of God stood for Paul. He actually prayed for them that God would not lay that sin to their charge. Do you realize what they've done? When they treated Paul that way, they sinned. Lord God, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying, behold, we live as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, yet possessing all things. This man, when he come down, when he writes Timothy, just a few months from his death, and he writes Timothy, and he says, make haste and come. And he tells him in another place to come before winter time. Now, the reason was because they shut down the sailing of the ships through the Aegean and the Mediterranean, parts of the Mediterranean, because it was so rough in the winter season. It was not worth the risk to sail boats. So Paul told Timothy, hurry. If you don't come, you won't see me alive. Hurry, please come. Why? Because every Christian in Rome forsook him. So he tells Timothy, when you come through Troas, would you bring that cloak? I forgot my coat there. And this man was so poor. He had one coat. So what would have been your view of this man? Where would some of you stood if you was an Ephesian Christian? Any of your brothers, any of your sisters, any of your young people, any preachers been willing to show up in the judicial court of Rome and said, I will stand for this man of God? Or would we stay at the house and say, well, I, I, I prayed about it and I, I, I didn't feel led. And yet he begot them to the Lord 
He prayed with them till they were filled with the Holy Ghost. He led them through their darkest sins, led them back to Christ when they backslid. And when he needed a friend, he had this many. Zero. I pray God will honor Paul's prayer and forgive all them people. Why would God? I think sometimes, you know, you go through a lot. And whenever you do, you get to feeling sorry for yourself. You know how we are. I'll go to reading about some of this stuff right here. What some of these men of God went through. And I think, I ain't been through nothing. <laughs> I ain't hardly been through nothing in life. Notice, this is what God tells Paul about the city of Corinth. Acts chapter 18, verse 10. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. Now remember, this is a wicked, terrible place. But God says he has a lot of people, a lot of elect there in Corinth. And he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God. Now, Paul had a peculiar way about him. We'll look at it Wednesday night. I don't want to sidetrack today, but Paul would not go in and start a work in an area where there was already one. Mm. No, you don't find that. That's totally contrary to the scripture. Paul went hundreds and hundreds of miles away from where there was any works of God going on. So here he goes to this horrible, wicked, sinful city because God told him to go. Now once he gets there and he stays for 18 months, the longest historical record that we have where he stayed in any given city of all of his trips. Now remember this man traveled thousands of miles by feet, by ox cart, by ship, a real missionary. He didn't go down the road and start another work. That wasn't the way he done it. That was contrary to what God gave him, you see. So he would travel for hundreds and hundreds of miles. Well, I want scripture for that. I've got it, but I just ain't gonna give it to you now. Now, whenever he goes there then, and then he establishes the church, and then he goes to Colossae, goes to Philippi, he goes to Thessalonica, and then false prophets and apostles, they start coming in from Jerusalem and from other places. And they go to sowing discord in the church and causing all kinds of problems in the church. I know you might find it hard to believe, but some of the Corinthian believers, which were actually saved under Paul's ministry, started siding with some of these false apostles. He called them different titles. But false apostles and false evil workers, and they started blasting Paul and saying Paul was off the word. And some of these people that had come from the world under Paul's ministry and got converted and got the Holy Ghost, and they actually turned against Paul and started taking sides 
with these false prophets. Now what they started claiming was, of course, that they were the true prophets and they were the true apostles. And you remember the Judaizers done the same thing to the church in Galatia. But keep in mind that Satan is not the originator of true missionaries, but God is. God is the one who sends forth the true missionaries and then after they go in and establish a work, then Satan will send his preachers in afterwards and calls them, of course, ministers of light. And they will come in afterwards and then sow in discord and so on and so on. It's always been the same pattern and it always will be. So if you've ever wondered why that Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians 11, whenever he goes to talking about It seems like he's bragging about himself. And it seems like that he's just going on and on and talking about what God did through him and how God did this and did that. And basically why Paul is having to do that because the false prophets have come through into the church at Corinth and they have run him down to no end. And there were real children of God sitting there and they took sides with these false prophets against their own church age messenger. Well, my, my. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22. Now watch how he approaches this. Are they Hebrews? They who? These false apostles, false prophets, false teachers. So he said, are they Hebrews? So it lets us know they were. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they seed of Abraham? So am I. Now, no doubt this is what they were telling the the people there in Corinth, which were a a mixture of Gentiles and Jews, mainly Gentiles, and they were telling them, look, we are the certain, certain tribe and we belong to so-and-so. My grandpa was in the prophet's meetings and my uncle was there in the prayer line and this and that and the other, as if though that gives them some type of credentials. Well, I'll tell you one thing, I was this and that and the other. Well, Paul said, well, what they are, I'm that too and even more. Now, no doubt some of them said, Lord, have mercy. What in the world is he bragging about? It's a shame, really. In one sense that Paul would have to be able to incorporate this into the scripture, into the Holy Bible, because you had men there that were so running him down and absolutely tinging his credibility among the church he had founded. Isn't it amazing how people are? Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. Notice what his response was. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. Clement, one of the early writers of the first century who wrote at the end of the first century, said that Paul was imprisoned seven times. Seven times. So he said, so they claim they're this and that and the other. He said, everything they are, I'm more. (laughs) Wow. What a shame that a preacher has to get up and say such things. Or write in the passage of the New Testament and this to be read for 2,000 years 
and people trying to figure out why in the world was Paul saying that? It was because them false prophets and false apostles and false workers were coming in and attacking the very church that God led him to start. Well, praise the Lord. So he says he was in labors more often, more abundant in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Isn't it amazing that he didn't mention how many more devils he cast out? How many more sick that he healed? How many more dead that he raised? Isn't that something which is the way a lot of times that we compare preachers you know, the way say, well, how many discernments does he have? Or how many miracles does he have? And I'll tell you if he's a man of God or not. You need to read Matthew 24 and you'll find out there'll be all kinds of miracle workers that'll have a whole lot more miracles maybe than even some of our message preachers do and they'll be lost and go to hell. Because you can have miracles and it still don't mean you're a son of God. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> Notice verse 24. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. So five times, Brother Jack, he was beaten with 39 stripes. So I find it so amazing that his credentials now of what he's identifying himself as being a true servant of God is that it's not healings, signs, wonders, miracles, depth of the understanding of the word. He's allowing God to separate him from the false by how God is measuring him for his crown. Because those false guys are not being measured for their crown. Because everybody loves them. Now they were politicians, you see, so they knew what to say how to say it at the right time. So here Paul is identifying himself as a true man of God by what he went through and not just how many folks he prayed for. Well, friends, is this your Bible or not? You do believe this, right? Am I in the right place this morning? I, I thought I was the pastor of this church. I remember laying some stone. I remember staining all this stuff here. I remember, am, am I in the wrong place this morning? Really? Okay, I just want to make sure because y'all look at me really strange. So why would a preacher want to separate himself by identity and not just sign to sign? Well, I cast out a devil one time. Well, that ain't nothing. I've cast out five. Well, that ain't nothing. I cast out ten. But Paul didn't even go that way. But he went by the size of the cross measuring him for the crown because he knew unless these guys got converted, they had no crown anyway. Notice he says, of the Jews five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Lord God. Once was I stoned. So if I die tomorrow and you guys are looking for another pastor and a guy like this sends in his resume, all this is listed on his resume. Would he get off the ground? Would y'all even consider a guy like this? Think about it. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep in journeyings often 
in perils of waters, in perils of robbers. Of course, it didn't take them old boys long enough to realize they'd wasted their time with this guy. He didn't have nothing. You know, they'd probably give him money, Brother Dave, to buy him some lunch when he got down the road because this man didn't have nothing. He only had one coat and left it by control as, and he left his scripts in another place and said, would you get my books? Because I want to study the message a little more. I forgot them over that night I left. And bring my books back and bring my coat. And he'd get among perils of robbers and the, which they would do through Saudi Arabia and them places and still do to the day. And he would go through there and, all right, hold it up, buddy, hold it up. He said, boys, I'm telling you one thing. I ain't got nothing. Yeah, all right, we've heard that before. Well, they'd rob him and say, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm a holiness preacher. I'm a Holy Ghost filled preacher. Well, come on, somebody preach with me this morning. Well, you imagine them old robbers said, don't bother him. I done tried to hold him up before. Man, that cost me $50. I bought the boy a room. I bought him a pair of shoes. I bought him this, that, and the other. Man, I ain't never seen a preacher so poor. And yet here Paul separates himself from those guys that are false prophets. By what? The size of his cross. Because God makes no mistakes. Amen. In perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, a man of God, a prophet of God went through all of this stuff. Perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea. Perils among false brethren in weariness, painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger. They ain't talking between breakfast and lunch. I wonder how many days he went that he didn't have nothing to eat. I thought David said, I was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. I thought David said, delight thyself also in the Lord and he gave you the desires of your heart. Why is God making the most important man on the earth at that time go through hunger? He's in the measuring room. Hold your arms out, Paul. Stand normally now. Whenever I bought this suit on sale, $79 maybe, $99, something like that, what we paid for it. Been hung in the closet for a bit. Carol's just been so busy, hadn't been able to cuff the trousers for me. So I had to go down in her sewing room and to be able to try them on and then stand there. I'll move around. I'm, you know, kind of a moving sort of a valley. Just stand still. I'm going to poke you this pen if you don't stand still. She wasn't going to do it intentionally. She was going to do it by mistake because I was moving. So I had to get in her room. I've got one leg shorter than the other one. So she has to do them according to that. But I had to be there and stand long enough. And she wanted to change this and modify that. So it wouldn't have done any good for her to call Brother Adam. Brother Adam, come over and, and uh, try on Donnie's suit. We're not the same size. 
It wasn't done any good for her to call Harry. Harry skinny as a bean pole. Always has been. Bless his heart, oh, if he dies, I get his tapeworm. <laughs> so it has to be me. Oh, children. If God's handing out gifts, we're all standing in line. If God's handing out this and that and the other, we're all standing in line. But how many wants to stand in line when he calls you into his tailoring room? And then we say, oh, no, oh, no. Oh, no, not me, not me, no, God, no. May God give us the courage when he calls us into his room and says, try it on. Oh, my. Paul says, in weariness and painfulness and watchings often in hunger, and thirst, and fastings often, in cold. What's the next one? You mean a prophet of God would sit and shiver in the cold nights or the cold mornings, and he didn't even have enough money to buy another coat. You see why I'm reading these scriptures whenever I get down and kind of weary because I think, I ain't never been through a whole lot in my life. I don't even want to stand beside people like this. Put me way, way back away from people like this. How in the world, Brother Larry, can we walk before them, people that have gone through what they've gone through and we bellyache and cry over a little this and that and the other? Oh, my goodness. And fastings often in cold and nakedness besides those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily the care of all the churches you see I was an apostle and a prophet in that first church age he was not in charge of one particular congregation but he was over the entire church of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a responsibility. So all the churches in that first century, he was at the oversight of them all. Notice it says in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 8, For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord has given us for edification, and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed that I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters. Now, if you've read very many of his letters, you know he could be pretty terrifying. <laughs> for his letters. Now, I want you to listen to some of the things that was being said about this church age messenger. For his letters say they. I always felt sorry for them. I don't know who them are, but they are they and they are them. We've got some of their kin still alive today, I'm afraid. For his letters say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible, damnable. Was out basis of truth. 
So you mean some of the Corinthian people were saying this about their church age messenger? Some of the very ones that he said, you were this and you were that, but now are you clean and now are you washed? And they had got among some false teachers and they began to sway them away from the truth. Dear Lord. A Roman historian called Nasiphorus says about Paul, he had a small and a contracted body somewhat crooked and bowed, a pale face, looked old and had a little head and had a sharp eye and his eyebrows hung downwards. So he definitely wasn't an Elvis. His nose was bent somewhat long his beard thick and pretty long and that as the hair of his head had a sprinkling of gray hairs. So you imagine when he stood up there, he did not come in a three-piece suit the way I am today. He did not look even like some of these brothers sitting here now. Fine, handsome young men and older brothers. But he would have been a pretty pitiful excuse of a preacher kind of bent over, bowed a little bit, and a sprinkling of gray in his beard and quite long, almost bald-headed, sharp-looking eye, type of guy that you just got to creeps, you know, just the willies, just looking. He sends chills all over me just looking at that guy. Who, who in the world is that? First church age messenger. The angel of the Lord to the church at Ephesus. Follow Peter, which was another historian, Roman historian, scoffingly says of Paul, when the bald-headed Galilean met me, now this Roman historian actually met him, when the bald-headed Galilean met me with his hooked nose, which went through the air to the third heaven. That is a nose, ain't it? So this was the type of a man that God chose. Would have been okay with that type of a man? Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. Now Paul says, they're saying, boy, his way, his words are really powerful. But when he comes, he's a puny looking feller. But verse 11, he said, let such as wanted to think this that such as we are in word by letters when we are absent, such will we be also indeed when we are present. Oh my goodness. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves uh, um, of ourselves with them that command themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves, which is what most of us do. We are the measuring tape and we measure ourselves by ourselves. So we are the measuring tape, and we measure ourselves. That's why there's hardly any self-condemnation in the age that we're living in, because the self-examination is wrong. The self-examination uses us. Well, I think, and I believe, and this is my opinion, and I don't like, and I, and I, there's your measuring tape. 
and city, you should be saying, well, what does the Word say? What does the Bible say? What does the message say? What are we taught? What are we taught from the Scripture? What are we taught? But instead, we have out our handy little measuring tape and I think and I believe and this is what my daddy said and my grandma said this and Aunt Matilda said this and Aunt Juju Bell said this and Uncle so-and-so said that. Yep, see, there they are. They're all them little numbers on your tape. Uncle Fred and Uncle Joe and Aunt so-and-so and Grandpa so-and-so and your little great uncle so-and-so. That's all them little marks right there. Well, I've always been this way and I plan to be this way the rest of my life. Well, you'll be that way when you go to hell except it won't matter then, will you? You see, God don't. He accepts us. Sure, we can come to God a liar. We can come to God a prostitute. We can come to God all kinds of evil but if you ever get to God you won't stay like you were when you got there you will be different but Laodicea said oh come as you are and yeah they want you to stay as you are but the gospel of Jesus Christ changes us from what we are to what he wants us to be not what we want to be well I think we have no thought coming oh my goodness let me share this with you in 1961. It's a tremendous quote. Brother Bam said, God demands respect for his servants. His servants, you know how you know they are his servants because he vindicates his servants by his word. He takes these servants and makes them servants of God and proves that they are servants by making his word work through them servants. Then as you respect that servant, you respect God. But now it's evident a lot of them Corinthian Christians did not have this principle. So they felt like that God maybe had used Paul and yeah, touched him and all that sort of thing. But yet Paul, somehow they had been affected in their thinking toward him. And now they believe that somehow he was a lesser man of God or he's a lesser prophet or the seer to the age. They didn't realize that by not showing up at Paul's trial, they done it to Jesus. I wonder today, friends, oh, you say, if I'd been there, well, I'll tell you what you can do. You can judge the way you do now and the way you treat God's servants now. And it will tell you exactly what you would have done in the days of Paul. Because I'm his little brother. Brother Darrell's his little brother. These other preachers here, we're his little brothers. So the way you treat us in our age is the way you would have treated Paul had you lived in his age. The people that have embraced the message for years and years and turn away now, blast the prophet and all this, that, and other, they would have done the exact same thing to Paul. Oh, if I'd been in the days of Paul, you'd done him exactly the same way you did the messenger of Malachi 4. Now watch, Brother Man goes on to say, so when I respect you and you respect me and we respect each other, then we're respecting God. That ought to help every one of us want to respect one another. It don't mean we go along with one another on everything, but we still respect one another as children of the living God. And the church said, now, can I go on a few more minutes? Watch, turn with me if you would in Galatians chapter one, verse six. Look at some of the troubles that Paul was demon down the Galatian church. So here God is actually letting him go through fastings, through trials, through all this sort of thing. And then he's got all the churches. Lord have mercy, I cannot imagine. The only thing I'm grateful for in the days of Paul was they didn't have phones, instant messaging, texting, emails, and all that. 
It might have took weeks and months for Paul to heard about something going on in the Galatian church. If it happened this morning, he'd have heard it by noon as soon as he got done preaching if they live in this modern days of technology. <laughs> so God knows exactly where to place a man, don't he? But you imagine every church now that he founded. This man in one of his missionary trips went over 700 miles one way. Show me where Paul ever established a church in Jerusalem. Look where Peter went, James went, Bartholomew, John. Show me where Paul followed in their steps and started another church. He didn't. Well, I'm sorry y'all didn't know that's in the Bible. Now, watch what had happened in the Galatian church. Now, remember, these were Jews, and they were called Judaizers. They were apostate Judaizers. So they come to the church in Galatia, it was mainly Gentiles, and they start telling them, you all got to be circumcised. Why, you all can't believe the Holy Ghost. Why, you ain't got no Holy Ghost. You're, if you're going to be the seed of Abraham, you've got to become a Gentile convert. Well, they said, well, we're already converted. Oh, no, you're not. You're eating sausage for breakfast. You bunch of heathens. You got a baconator for lunch and sausage for breakfast and pork chop for supper. Why no other matter with you bunch of heathens? Y'all ain't believers. Why there ain't no way in the world? And a bunch of them Galatians start saying, oh, okay. Why? There was legalizers among the Galatians. And their nature was legalistic. So they said, okay, okay. So what do we need to do? Thou shalt not and thou shalt not and thou shalt not. Yes, sir, that's what we'll do. So here, poor old brother Paul, bless his heart. If he didn't have enough, he's already dealing with. Notice how he writes to him in chapter one, verse six. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you unto the grace of Christ unto another gospel. To be honest with you, friends, when I read these things, especially when they're cumulative like this this morning, when I read all this, I'm thinking in my mind, how was this man even able to put up with all of this? How could he do it? And no doubt they were spread apart. They didn't happen, you know, one day after another, one week after another. He couldn't have took it, Brother Paul. It would have just wiped him out. And they were spread over a period of months and years. And he would get one thing resolved and something else would come up. And he'd get that church sort of straightened out and another thing would come up. He says, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Chapter three, verse one. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Oh my goodness. Now what was it? Judaizers. What were they doing? Come out and say, you can't believe that, Paul. Why, you can't believe that? Why, have you ever really checked his stories? Well, I'll tell you, woman, you get time now. You read in the book of Acts where they talk about that pillar of fire and all that stuff coming down and then see where Paul told about it himself and you'll find there's two different tales there. How can you trust a man like that that ain't got 100% recall? Well, you'd never trust one then because ain't nobody got that. <laughs> well, how in the world could you believe Paul was a man of God when he packs a doctor around with him? Luke was a physician. And Paul left Trophimus, one of his faithful servants, back in one of the cities sick. And 
carries a doctor around with him and supposedly lays hands on the sick and they recover and left his buddy back there in the city sick. Don't sound like no man of God to me. Friends, don't you understand what they've done to them? They've done the same thing to them men of God that people are trying to do today to our prophet and to our pastors and our genuine evangelists. Come on, church. Why? Because Satan knows the vulnerability of humanity. We're not first century. We're not Greeks. We're not Sinethians. We're not many of those. But there's so much like us about exactly the same as it was with them people. Same as it was in the book of Numbers chapter 14. Humans are humans. That's why we all got to be saved or we'll perish. Oh my. Oh foolish Galatians. How this must have broke his heart to say this. Who hath bewitched you? So they were bewitched. But by whom? Preachers. Now this was not a wizard. This was not a witch. It was somebody preaching another gospel. Another Jesus. That you should not obey the truth. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. In Galatia? Jesus was not crucified in Galatia. He was crucified in Jerusalem. Do you understand what Paul is saying? God allowed him to preach the cross in such a real way that they were sitting at the cross. He allowed Paul to step into an anointing in such a real way. My goodness, Brother Darrell preached for us a few years ago on an Easter sermon. I was sitting on the platform behind him. I thought I was going to have to get up and leave. It was so real to me. I could see the blood going out of his body. I could see his muscles twitching on the cross. I could see the agony. It was so, that's my makeup. I'm a dramatic preacher anyway. And when I hear drama, it tears me all to pieces. As I sat there and I was in pain. You may think I'm nuts. I felt pain running through my body. And Paul said, God allowed me to preach Jesus Christ to you in such a way that you walked away from there as if though you had been at the cross. Oh, my. And he says this only. What I learn of you. Received you the Spirit by the works of the law or the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Mama, having begun in the spirit, now made perfect by the flesh. These poor Galatians. So what did they do? You mean, Brother Donnie, they had an effect on real, genuine believers? Yes. I'm going to shock some of you, plumb down to your socks. Brother Charlie Cox told me years ago there was a woman preacher in Jeffersonville when Brother Branham was here. And it was amazing the effect that woman preacher had on some of the people from the tabernacle. Right, Brother Paul? And some of the people from the Branham tabernacle left to follow a woman preacher. (laughs) I'll tell you one thing, friends. We better, if we have ever been in our life, better make sure our foundation on Jesus Christ, the Word of God. 
Can you imagine? When the prophet set the church in order about gifts, you know what a lot of them people done? Left the Branham Tabernacle, went to other churches. Ah, they didn't go along with the prophet's teaching on it. They thought they knew more about it than he did. <laughs> and if you'll listen to what he said, he said a lot of them was prophesying things that didn't even come to pass. Well, come on, no sit there and look at me all bug-eyed now. If God, if God anoints you or me or whoever it is to say, thus saith the Lord, that ain't you saying that, that's God that says it. Well, if God says, thus saith the Lord, there's going to be a hurricane come through Tennessee and say there ain't never been one in their life. If God said there's going to be one, he'll make one come through Tennessee. And if God says it, there won't be no excuse. Well, the winds changed and there was an upper draft that come down on the high dome and the high pressure. Come on, say it, admit it, you lied. You missed God. When God says something, God don't lie. When God says something, it will come to pass. Amen, somebody say amen. Because God don't make mistakes. And the prophet said they were prophesying things that never happened, saying things that never come to pass. And when he said in order, he said the spirit of Christ is subject to Christ's teaching. So what some of them do, they got mad and left. The opportunity to sit in the church where Elijah was the pastor. Mama. Galatians 4.12, can I go a few more minutes? Brother, now beseech you, be as I am, for I am as you are. You have not injured me at all. For you know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at first. And my temptation, which was in my flesh, you despised not nor rejected. But receive me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. But notice how people can change on you. Where is then the blessedness that you spake of? For I bear record that had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Why? Because they would see his eyes running. Brother Zach. They would see his, his letters, and he made them in big letters because he couldn't hardly see. And he said, you all love me so much, you would have pulled your own eyes out and gave them to me. He said, where's the blessedness that you spoke of me? But now notice what he says. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? They zealously affect you, but not well. They would exclude you that you might affect them. In other words, they won't listen to you, your side of it, so that you'll change them. But they want it the other way around. Oh my goodness, what is God doing? Measuring. Now, Paul, what are you going to do? You're going to get an attitude against these people? Are you going to get hateful? You're God's chosen messenger now, Paul. Anointed of the Holy Ghost. You smit a man blind because he crossed you. What are you going to do, Paul? 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9. Paul writing to Timothy. Now, this is after the judicial thing that I told you about a while ago. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Hurry and get here, in other words. Oh, my goodness. He's only got a few more months left. And in the closing days of his life, he wants a dear, trusted friend by his side. For Demas hath forsaken me. 
having loved this present world and is departed unto Thessalonica, Christians to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. That's amazing because Demas was a preacher, a message preacher we'll call it. And Paul mentions him first in Colossians chapter four, verse four, when Paul's in Rome the first time. Luke, the beloved, verse 14 rather, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Philemon chapter one, verse 24. Marcus, Aristocritus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. So Demas was a close friend and a fellow laborer with Paul. But when it come right down to it, it was too risky being identified with Paul. So Demas returned back, and I do say back because historians say he was from Thessalonica, from a rich family. Prophet tells us that present stage of my ministry. He was from a rich family and wealthy. And Thessalonica was the capital of the empire during a part of this time period before Constantinople. So it was a great mega center. A lot of merchandise and mercantile was very big there. And when Paul really needed a friend, what did Demas do? Slipped out. Lord God. So he chose those rich, prosperous friends over this poor guy. <laughs> Mama. I found this so amazing. I actually said yesterday as I was studying this, and it took my breath. Listen to me. It took my breath physically as I sat in the chair. the patron saint of the city of Thessalonica was Demetrius, which is the extended form of the word Demas. So under Catholicism, Demas became the patron saint of Thessalonica. He was martyred in 290 A.D. or somewhere up in through there, you know. Or that's when they set it up, rather. That's when they made him the patron saint. Martyred sometime after Paul. In 290 AD, they make the declaration. A man that betrayed God's prophet. A man that turned his back on God's prophet. And the church lifts him to sainthood. And calls him the patron saint of our city. God have mercy. Listen to the astounding things that Brother Branham says about him. Now, I imagine Demas didn't forsake him and start off to nightclubs. I don't imagine Demas did that because Demas was a spirit-filled man. Wow. You understand you can have the baptism of the Holy Ghost every hour of your life and die lost and go to hell. Don't look at me funny. I just quoted to you a quote. 
The baptism is your spirit. How many people have we baptized up here? And what do I do? And the other brothers do. Put our hand over the mouth. What for? And their nose. To put our over like this. To keep the water from going in their nose and their mouths. A person can have the baptism in their spirit every day. And still not be regenerated from the soul. I don't want it in my spirit alone. I don't want it on my flesh. I want it in my soul. In my soul. It'll quicken me to every word of God. And I would be willing to give my life. If I get it in my soul. If not. If not. I will forsake God's servants. If I don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost in my soul. I'll not be able to stand the pressure that's coming. Demas was a spirit-filled man. He was a great helper. If you ever took the history of Demas, he was a notable preacher. A fine, cultured man. Highly polished. Educated. Smart man. I believe Demas saw a failing seemingly in Paul's ministry. I think he thought that old fellow was washed up before God. Demas said, I ain't associating with a guy like that. He's just a low class person. Let me tell you something, word of life. We think because of our new building and our fine carpet and this, that, and other, and we look down at people that's poorer than us and maybe have to meet in a storefront, and we say, they ain't got what we got. We won't have what we got long. I'll tell you one thing. I'd rather have the Holy Ghost in this big building. Don't you understand? That's the Demas anointing to go to looking at the real message people and looking down your nose at them. But somehow you're better. Tell me how 150 pound of Georgia dirt is better than 150 pound of Kentucky dirt. Especially if it's all red clay. Tell me how 175 pound bag of Illinois dirt or Arizona dirt or Mississippi dirt is any better than Virginia dirt. I don't know too much, but I do know enough about dirt to know dirt is dirt. I've seen dirt in Asia. I've seen dirt in Africa. I've seen dirt all over the world. It's dirt everywhere I've been. But this is what Demas began to say. He's just a low class. Can you imagine a preacher looking at the man of God, the church age messenger children, and saying that guy, he's just a low class fellow. Don't, don't hang around him. He says fetch and haint and tote. And you mark it down and you remember that an idiot from Kentucky told you one day it'll come to pass that the educated and the intellectual will become so dominant in and around our message they will be ashamed to quote God's prophet. 
We're heading more that way every day. I know you don't know it, but we're heading more that way all the time. That's why they've got to polish up the quotes. They've got to change this and change that. God chose a Kentuckian. God chose a hillbilly for a reason. God didn't choose a man from Harvard. He chose a man from Berksville. Hallelujah. God did not choose an educated preacher. He chose a preacher that couldn't even hardly fill out his notes. We've got a glass case over in the library. If you haven't seen it, you need to go put your eyes on it. And it shows you the handwritten notes of our prophet. You will stand there and see one word after another misspelled. The pronunciation in the wrong place. Not even using the right verb and adverb and adjective and noun. He might not have known his nouns and pronouns, but he knowed Almighty God. He might not have been a great speaker like we think, but he spoke in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He spoke anointed by deity. So Demas said, I'll go up at the denominational brethren. I'll go up or I'll be somebody. Brother Bram mentions about Brother Baxter before he mentions this quote. And he said, Brother Baxter told him, he said, Brother Bram, you know what I'm going to do first thing I get to heaven? He said, what, Ern? He said, I'm going to walk right up to Demas and smack him right in the face. He said, now, Ern. And why are you going to do that? He said, because I'm going to say, why did you leave Paul down there? Why did you forsake him? Leaving that poor little guy in that shape, he ought to have been standing by him. Paul was the one that led him to Christ. Lord Jesus. Paragraph 91. Now I think of that how true servant that will stand true to the word sooner or later. Just remember, the people are going to forsake him. And let me say, not only as a preacher, some of your deepest wounds and deepest hurts will be from friends. Since I've dealt with Christians most of my entire life, my deepest scars that I pack in my heart today are definitely inflicted by Christians, many of them by preachers. Because I found some preachers to be liars, thieves, adulterers, pornography watchers, Mm-hmm. That don't change the truth. God's still got some men of God that are true Amen. and faithful. Amen. Let me find a place to close here. Brother Ram said, goes on to say, <clears throat> oh my, an identification, the world-loving Demas forsaken him for his Christian so-called Brethren of the popular opinion. When Paul stood on the word, Demas left him loving this present world. Left him because he was true to the word. It was too straight for him. Oh, he says, who? Would you go with Demas? I've often wondered how many people that left the message or left Paul because they got saved under Demas. 
or they followed Demas's influence. Well, if, if Brother Demas is leaving, there's got to be a reason. There was. He wasn't a seed of God. Oh, my goodness. God help me today. Paul said, all men have forsaken me. Notice Brother Ram's words. Poor little guy. Now watch, he's going to tell this story about Dr. Baxter. And he's going to end it a little bit different than he did two years prior to this. I always was alarmed that Dr. Ern Baxter said, you know what, I get to heaven, first thing I'm going to do? I said, what is it, Brother Ern? He said, I'm going to walk right up to Demas and slap him in the face as hard as I can. I said, now, Ern. And he said, I'm going to say, why did you leave Paul down there like that? I said, read it. You really think? God have mercy on the people that'll walk away from servants of God when they themselves are under such a strain and if they ever needed them and they turn and go then. I'll tell you, friend, it's going to be terrible one day. It would be a, an abomination, a sin for me to turn my back on you in your time of need. I find it amazing that people don't look at it the same way when their pastor needs them or when their prophet needed them and not one preacher, not one saint showed up for Paul's sake. Why? They were afraid. What happened to all their great teachings of predestination? The Ephesian church, one of the deepest churches. Look at the book of Romans. My, what great things Paul was able to write to the Roman Christians and where was one of them? Lord God. Notice Brother Brenham says, or I said, are you really think he'll be there, Ern? You better be careful. Your desire to slap him in the face. I wouldn't want to be where he was at, maybe. Can you imagine when he stands before God, Demas? And there stands Paul over looking at him, and he looks at him and said, Why? Why? Did you leave my servant? He was in such a strain. He was on the verge of a nervous breakdown. And look at how you respected him. I wonder what Demas will think then. Oh, so I'll tell you one thing, Lord of God, if it had been me, look at yourself now. And it'll tell you what you would have done in Paul's day. So if it would have been word of life, church, if Paul had wrote to. And even like Tabernacle down in Menden. And either of our churches were close to the judiciary trial that Paul is going to have. How many of our jumpers, shouters, runners, screaming, hollering preachers, our deacons, our trustees, our laity. How many of us from word of life would have showed up with Paul and said, I'll stand with him. Now, you know if you walk in there, you may not walk out free. So Demas said, no, I'll lose my ministry. I can't do it. I just can't do it. It ain't worth it. There's something wrong with him anyway. Leaving Trophimus back there, carrying a doctor around with him all the time. 
Why, the other day they ran him out of the city. Alexander the coppersmith uh, brought all that persecution against him. Did you hear what happened to Paul? They had to let Paul down the wall in a basket during the midnight hours and he run like a chicken. There's something wrong with him. No, they wasn't. He was just standing in the tailor's parlor. Stretch out your arms, Paul. Hold steady. Lord, they're calling me names, Lord. Paul, release your fist. Release your fist. Lord, they're telling lies of me. Lord, they're, they're running my influence in the Corinthian church. Lord, look what they're doing in the Galatian church. Paul, that is my church, not yours. I didn't say on this rock I'll build your church, but on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. You imagine how hard it must have been with them standing there in the tailor's office and they're running him down and this and that and the other stand still, Paul. When Paul tells Timothy to come and see him, he says, all men forsook me. Timothy didn't even know it till he receives this epistle. It just happened a week or so prior to this. You imagine when Timothy got it, he said, oh dear God, where was the saints? Where was the preachers? You mean there's no sisters? The ones he prayed to to the Holy Ghost? The ones that used to be harlots? The ones that used to be drunks and liars? None of them. Not a one. Let's bow our heads. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord God. Father, I'm sure a lot of these people here today is like me. They don't like standing in that room and you tell them to hold out their arms and just relax and say, yeah, right, relax, holding out my arms. I know what this means. I'm fixing to be measured. Oh, Lord, I pray, help us, Jesus. Lord, it's not just when things are going good that we prove who we are. It's when things are turning against us. When we're sick and we're in despair. As I say, Lord, I've never been where Paul was, and I'm sure that I won't be because I don't think that I I'm the type of man that could take it, more than likely. This was a man that was so unique. Oh, I can't wait to see him. I can't wait to see the reward he'll have at that day. Your prophet said about Paul, his ministry was greater than all of the rest of the apostles put together. All of the rest of them put together. Wonder why Peter didn't write about all this stuff. Because Peter didn't go through what Paul did. James didn't go through what Paul did. Nobody else did. Lord, I pray you would help each of us. Maybe we're sitting here today and we're still trying to find out who we are and where we are and what we are in Christ. 
Maybe this is kind of frightening for us because we think, oh no, what if, that's, what if I wind up going there? But each of us can have the assurance today, you'll never put us through more than what we're able to bear. You'll help us and make a way. I pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl, Lord, that you'd help each of us that if it were to come down to life and death, I remember several years ago being in China when Brother Biscoe was arrested and they were looking for me. And they called Brother Biscoe back in to interrogate me. He had my schedule of the cities I was going to be preaching in and so on in his briefcase. And he tore it up into little bitty tiny pieces and swallowed them so they wouldn't know where I was at. And I'm not one bit embarrassed to say before this congregation today when I heard what had went on. As a man, I was afraid. I was afraid for my brother. I was afraid for those others who were arrested with him. And I knew they'd come looking for me. Brother Murphy said, Brother Donnie, we'll go if you want to go. I said, I'm not, I ain't leaving. I ain't running. I ain't no chicken. He said, well, it's not so much being a chicken. He said, but I used to work for the police and I know how they think. He said, you can't just think about yourself. If they arrest us in a place of the meeting, they'll send you home, but they'll throw these believers in prison. Lord, when I was there, and I saw a woman come into the hotel room where we had the meeting. They rolled her in in a wheelchair. And I'd rented a suite, a large size suite, so we could have two rooms to be able to hold the crowd. And while I was preaching, someone knocked on the door. I thought, oh my goodness, here I go. Lord, I felt my face flush. One of the brothers went to the door and it was just simply the maid just checking to see if we needed anything. I'll never forget the look on that woman's face when she opened that door and saw them people. (laughs) But Lord, that little woman that I saw push that wheelchair in or roll in that wheelchair At the end of that service, after I preached and we prayed for the sick, I saw that same woman roll that wheelchair out of that room because you raised her up out of that wheelchair. So Lord, we know under strain and difficulty, you love to prove yourself. Oh Jesus, help each one of us, Lord. Oh, we want to jump, yes. We want to shout. We want to worship. We want to praise God, absolutely. But we want something so deep in our souls that when it comes down, if it took our very life, we would say, I'm willing to stand. Oh, Lord, help us. I wonder what some of these people would do, Lord. It's easy to see by what some have done, which way they would have gone. The way some of them have stood with me showed exactly how they would have stood with Paul that had done Paul the same way. The way they've stood with their seventh angel messenger proves they would have done Paul exactly the same way. Because it ain't me, it ain't Brother Branham, it ain't no other preacher, it's you in your body. I want to stand with you, Lord Jesus. And when I say you, I ain't meaning an image that's sitting on a throne in another dimension. I'm talking about you in the form of your body.
Oh, every preacher's had them to say it. I'll stand with you. I'll stand with you. Brother, I'm behind you. I'm behind you. Yeah, we've seen that. And then when the hard times come, they're behind you, all right, about two miles out of sight where nobody can see them. Lord God, help us not to be cowards. Help us to stand for what's right. Lord Jesus, forgive those, Lord. I pray, dear God, that stood against your servant, Paul. Forgive those, O Lord, of your children that might have stood against your Elijah prophet. If there's anything in them, draw them back, Lord. Draw them back, Lord. We love you today, Jesus. Can we stand together? So before long, the tailor calls you back into the room. And you try it on. You say, perfect fit. Slacks are the right length. Waist is exactly right. Vest fits perfectly. A coat. In the crowning of your life, you'll stand there and you'll exchange and trade your old cross for a crown. Oh, I want to be near, don't you, when Paul stands there and he's given the martyr's crown and he's given a reward for all these things that he did for the cause of Christ. Let me tell you something. We would not be where we are today if it had not been for a man call Paul the Apostle. We would not be where we are today had it not been for a man by the name of William Marion Branham that was willing to suffer reproach. Could have been a multi-millionaire. Could have been a denominational speaker. Could have been whatever. But he would not do it. Aren't you glad he would not do it? Now the question is, will we do it? Or will we not? I don't think there's a persecution coming against the bride like the first church age. No, it's contrary to Scripture. Will we be hated and despised? Yes, I believe much greater than we have been. Will we be persecuted somewhat? We've done been through that. We know, yes, we can be. They don't have to have laws. All they have to have is society's pressure, and it can pressure you a great deal. And let me tell you something, after our pressure several years ago, some of the message preachers went silent on certain things and won't preach it no more. Why? Couldn't take the pressure. But if they cut my tongue out of my mouth, if they remove my fingers one by one, God let me have the boldness and the courage to stand for this message if I have to give my life for it. Oh, some of you would die for a book and a tape. Some of you would die maybe for a cross. Oh, yes, yes, my Lord Jesus died on that cross. What you have to be willing to die for is those who are bearing that cross and that image as well. You see, the Ephesian believers did not stop being Christians. I wonder how, Brother Nathan, they must have felt horrible. I wonder how they felt after they, they denied this messenger a testimony. Someone, Brother Paul, probably never got over it in their entire life. No wonder Paul prayed for them and said, I pray God will not lay it to their charge. 
Oh, my. That man wants to stand for Jesus and let the world go by. Oh, praise the Lord. Just let the Lord search your heart there now this morning, friends. I know this not been a very shouting type service, but let's, let's really get right with God and then we'll have us a shouting time. Don't you want to be able to stand for him if you have to stand by yourself? If your mama turns, your daddy turns, your pastor turns, your favorite preacher, you want to be able to stand for him and say, I'm willing, I'm willing. I'll stand for Jesus and let the world go by. I'll claim His promise He will supply. We'll walk together the Lord and I. the world go by. Everybody sing it with me now. I'll stand for Jesus and let the world go by. Turn it, Lord. Mean it with all your heart now. If you've got a little question or a little doubt there in your heart that you could do it, just ask him, Lord, take it out of me this morning. I've got a little fear there, Lord, that I couldn't do it. Would you just remove it? Oh, I'll stand for Jesus and let the world go by. Let's sing it together. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Trusted and tried the more we have here on earth the less we're satisfied the only thing that's lasting comes from on high i'll stand for jesus and let the world go by i'll stand for jesus let the world go by i'm gonna claim his promise he will supply from this old body of mine 
don't want to own one thing I can't leave behind I want to be free to sail through the sky that's why I'm standing for Jesus and let the world go by this world go by I'll claim his promise he will supply we'll walk together the Lord and I I'm gonna stand for Jesus let the and all of his followers go by. Let every denomination auspices go by. Oh, compromise on this. Compromise on that. No, sir. Let's stand for Jesus. We're going to walk together, the Lord and I. I'll stand for Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Let the world go by. Praise the Lord. How many loves him today with all your heart? Brother Darrell, where are you today, buddy? I don't see you. There you are. Look here, Brother Darrell, stand back there in the back. Wednesday night, I requested prayer for him. He was down on his hands and knees because he couldn't walk. He's in church with us today. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Still a little bit sore, still dealing with a few things, but I believe God's not only able to touch our brother, I believe he's able to make him well. Don't you believe the same thing? The Lord Jesus suffered stripes in his back so our brother could be healed in his. Let's continue to remember that the Lord will just be with him. Have many needs among the church. You're aware of many, many of them. So let's just keep the saints of God before the Lord. Remember, there's power in you sharing the burdens of your brothers and sisters. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you for the word today. I know it's somber, it's serious. Lord God, more than anything, I want to hear those words. Well done. I've never done much. I know that. I'll never, I'll never be able to compare with a lot of these brothers. But Jesus, if I have one soul, that my name will be associated with earth through eternity. What a thing that will be. Lord God, we're not laboring so that we can get more. We're laboring so we can get them in and get out of this place. Lord, we're not desiring a reward anyway. We just want to be there. 
if I can be there with you and your children, that'll be all the reward I would want. But keep us true, Lord Jesus. No doubt some of us sat here today and we thought, oh Lord, what would I do? If I would have been in Ephesus, would I would have went? No doubt some of these sisters thought, would I have been brave enough? Some of these brothers thought, would I have been brave enough to go on? Lord God, I pray that you'd help each of us. Lord God, that we can stand for your truth no matter what comes our way. We love you, Jesus. Forgive us of our failures, our shortcomings. Make us strong. Help us to love one another, Father. Forgive our sins as we forgive those that trespass against us, we ask today, Lord God. In the name of Jesus Christ. And the saints said. Amen. God bless you, saints. I searched all over and couldn't find nobody. Let's sing this song together as we go. God bless you. Come back, Lord, one Wednesday night, expecting the Lord to speak to us again. Hemming says, it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his mercy. And look, I know some of you have got families and friends, and they've turned against the message, and you think, oh, Lord, there's no hope for them. There's no mercy for them. None of us know that. I wouldn't want to be in some of the shoes of the people and saying the things that they've said, but God alone knows when a person has crossed that line between mercy and judgment. Pray for them. Pray that God will open their eyes and open their hearts to bring them back to the truth. Remember whenever Lot left Abraham, you and I would have cut him off. Abraham didn't. Abraham risked his own life and the life of 318 servants to go down there and bring Lot back. Did he make him a silver dollar? Sure never. He went right back down there to Sodom and we know the end of him. But God wouldn't even destroy it until he come down and talked to Abraham. So your prayer might be the very one. We, our prayers ain't going to make them bride, but our prayers might bring them to where they'll be saved and they won't wind up being lost. Right. Wouldn't that be worth your prayer? this from him, thinking maybe food poisoning, Lord. But I pray the Spirit of God would move every symptom. And I say to the devil, you're a liar in the name of Jesus. May it go for my brother right now in Jesus' name. May he be made well. Praise be to God. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead and say it. I climbed the highest mountain Looked all around Couldn't find nobody Went down in the deepest valley Looked all around there Still couldn't find nobody Oh, I searched all over, couldn't find nobody. Looked high and low, still couldn't find nobody. Cause there's nobody greater, nobody greater, nobody greater than you. Nobody greater, nobody.
nobody greater, nobody greater than you. I climbed the highest mountain, looked all around, couldn't find nobody. I walked the deepest valley, looked all around there, still couldn't find nobody. I searched all over, couldn't find nobody, looked high and low, still couldn't find nobody, cause there's nobody greater, nobody greater, nobody greater than you. Nobody can love me like you, Jesus. Nobody greater. Nobody can heal me like you, Jesus. Nobody can hold me like you, Jesus. Nobody greater. mountain looked all around couldn't find nobody oh when I was in the deepest valley looked all around there still couldn't find nobody
going on around here. The devil don't like what's going on around here. We don't care what the devil don't like. I'm going to praise God with all my might. The devil don't like what's going on around here. Well, the devil don't like what's going on around here. Well, the devil don't like what's going on around here. I can't hear you. Well, the devil don't like what's going on around here. Well, the devil don't like us shouting loud around here. Well, the devil don't like us shouting loud around here. We're going to shout with all our might. The devil don't like what's going on around here. Well, the devil don't like what's going on around here. The devil don't like what's going on around here. Well, I don't care what the devil don't like. I'm going to praise God with all my might. The devil don't like what's going on around here. Well, the devil don't like what's preached around here. Well, the devil don't like what's preached around here. We don't care. What the devil don't like We're gonna preach with all our might The devil don't like what's going on around here Well, the devil don't like what's going on around here The devil don't like what's going on around here We don't care what the devil don't like We're gonna shout with all our might The devil don't like what's going on around here the devil don't like us singing loud around here. The devil don't like us singing loud around here. Well, we don't care what the devil don't like. We're going to sing with all our might. The devil don't like us singing loud around here. Well, the devil don't like what's going on around here. The devil don't like what's going on around here. We're gonna sing with all our might. The devil don't like what's going on. Thank you, Gene. Let's just sing this as you go this morning. We'll take up your cross and follow Jesus. Take up your cross every day. Oh, don't be ashamed to say that you know Him. Count the cost. Take up your cross and follow Him. Oh, take up your cross and follow
Yeah. 